but no. All right, good. We're just on time. So good evening, everybody. Welcome to your usual Thursday hangout with the Christian women in the UK. We've got the lovely Giselle. Welcome back, G, because Giselle was not able to be with us last week. She was rather under the weather, but as you can see, she's above the weather. Okay. The weather is under her feet. The way yep. Satan is under Jesus' feet. <laughs> looking fabulous in that top and looking all beautifully dolled up. She's so glamorous. She looks really... If you're listening on the podcast, this is the reason why you should watch our videos on the Christian Women in the UK Facebook group so you can see Giselle. Every week, Giselle serves us a dose of glamour, guys. And unfortunately, we do not have Sidonie because she's um, no. been had a very, very busy week and is not able to join us today, but I am very sure she's here in spirit. So um, if you're able to listen, Sidonie, we're wishing you well and look forward to seeing you next week. So Sidonie is the founder of Christian Women in the UK, and Giselle is our wonderful partner at Pearls of Grace in Stranra. She's the lead pastor there. And G, you host these amazing Sunday evening services, as I've discovered. Really? Right? <laughs> okay, and good. Yes. Yeah. Yes, we, so we guys, do. if you don't have a church, yeah. or you just want somewhere where you can pray and fellowship with people, check out Pearls of Grace. I think you're on Facebook. They do these yes. Zoom services. So, yeah. And there you're going to hear the pure word of God, guys. No gimmicks, no jokes, no holy handkerchiefs, even G. Definitely not. Just all the pure word of God. Exactly. If you're here for the first time and you're wondering what a holy handkerchief is, this is what makes you keep coming. The more you listen to us, the more you'll figure it out. And just in case you're wondering, who is that crazy sounding lady? My name is Ngum. And I'm an admin. Beautiful at the Christian Women in the UK. So usually there's a trio of us here, but as Sidoni can't be with us today, we thought we would be here with you. And so today um, we'll be talking about women of the Bible. This is our once a month talk. I think so. we're going to see about doing it twice a month. But so yes, and today we are talking about something very interesting. The Drum rolls. Who are we talking about today? We're talking about the wife of Cain. Yes, guys. And I'm I'm actually interested in this topic because she's not even someone I've ever really thought about, to be honest. So I think it's good. This book is amazing because it makes us think of the people that we wouldn't normally um, think about. Yep. So if um, you have your Bibles, the reference we're going to be looking at for Mrs. Cain, so I'll call her, is... Um, Genesis, we'll start with Genesis 4, verse 1 to 18. That's the main reference that is given for her. So um, it says here about her role in scripture. It says, one of the first questions scoffers are likely to ask young Christians is, where did Cain get his wife? The answer is found in Genesis 5, verse 3. After Seth was born, Adam lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Cain married one of his sisters. So that's how they arrived at that conclusion. This troubles some as marriage between brothers and sisters is forbidden in Moses' law. That's in Leviticus 18 verse 9. But the law was millenniums away and the period following creation was certainly unique. For one thing, the human gene pool was pure. After the fall, 
genes began to mutate. While the mutation has been gradual, medical science today traces many of the diseases and distress humankind, many of the diseases that distress humankind to flaws in the genetic code. Marriage between brothers and sisters can lead to serious problems for their offspring, as any flaws in the family genetic code would be magnified. History has many examples of the dangers of intrafamily marriages. The Caesars had a genetic propensity for epilepsy. The Habsburgs, I think that's, that's a German family, for hemophilia. And, I, and then the lady goes on to explain something interesting. She says, I once purchased a videotape of my daughter's dance recital. The, the one mother who had been given permission to tape the recital and sell tapes made a copy of a copy of a copy. And I must have purchased a 25th generation copy. We can hardly we could we could hardly pick out our daughter. Had the mother run each copy from the original, we could still be enjoying our little ballerina on tape. Adam and Eve's original Eve's children were copies of the original, and the purity of God's creation protected the first humans from the damage intermarriage would cause later on. It is important to note one more point. Genesis 2 verse 24 states that a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife. While Adam's sons and daughters wed, the first pair did not have children with their own offspring. So let's talk about relationships. So not know the name of King's wife. First woman to Eve. Yet we know her only through her relationship with Cain, and that, and that relationship shaped her life. Genesis 4 tells us that Cain slew his brother, Abel. As punishment, Cain was sent away from the family to live as a fugitive and vagabond. Genesis 4 verse 12. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth, and it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. Then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod, in the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived. From this text, we conclude that Cain was already married when he killed his brother. His wife went into exile with him for no other reason than that she had married Cain. From that day, from the day that Cain was banished from Eden, his wife never saw her parents, brothers, sisters, nieces, nephews, or any other family members for the rest of her life. What a terrible price this woman paid for the sin of her husband, evidently through no fault of her own. While there is no record of conversations between Cain and his wife, it would be hard to imagine that this situation failed to cause serious problems. Cain himself said that his punishment was more than he could bear, and he was the guilty party. How much worse it must have been for his wife. Cain's wife must have suffered many hardships from the exile imposed upon her because of her husband. She may have resented him for loss of family support. Her parents wouldn't even see her children. Her mother wouldn't be there to help when it came time, when it came time to give birth. Did Cain's wife find strength in the Lord? Was her faith increased by hardship? As the Apostle Paul 
as the Apostle Paul's was later? Or did she become bitter and spiteful? From the little we know of this woman, we can't even make an educated guess. We can, however, say that the exile impacted her life in significant ways. And then it goes on to say, an example for today. Hint's wife provides a clear example of how innocent people may face lifelong consequences due to another's sins. When this happens, we must recognize that our response is our own choosing. We can follow the example of the Apostle Paul, who suffered unjustly many times and became one of the giants of faith. Or we can make other choices that may bring even more hardships into our lives. So, wow, that's the story of Cain's wife, according to women in the Bible. Gee, what do you make of this uh, story? Oh, dear. Oh, yet another woman with no name. Yeah, wouldn't it be nice if all these women, uh, 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 Eastern names had been mentioned? Mm. Yeah, but um, yeah, yeah, what hardship she really must have gone through. I know before we started, you said when we were sort of uh, talking about this, you said, well, she didn't have to go with him. But at the end of the day, they were a married couple and marriage is a partnership, isn't it? Yeah, yeah that's true. And OK, they might not have had, I, I don't know what the, the wedding vows and things were. Uh, yeah. Here, but our wedding vows today is to love, honour, obey, in sickness and health, richer for poorer, for better, for worse, till death do us part. Mm. And that does mean that when the times are tough, you got to knuckle down and stick together and work through it together. Yeah. So I think she really did the right thing by going off with her husband. and. Probably wow. full well knowing that uh, they were never, ever, ever going to be allowed to return. So yeah, she did pay the, just somewhat like Jesus. Jesus paid the ultimate price for us on the cross. So she paid mm. the ultimate price of walking away from her family for her mm. husband. And yes, as it says in the example today that, you know, um, she paid the price for her husband's sin. And yeah. Mm -hmm. There are lots and lots and lots of things that people have done to us that cause hardships in our lives. And I know it says there, did she have a life of regret, of bitterness or whatever? Yeah. But when we... We would have been understandable. Ex ex exactly. But we know that when we hold hatred, bitterness, contempt in our hearts, it can kill us spiritually and it can actually kill us oh, physically. Yes. Um, Absolutely. So it's no good with got to get rid of it so we have it and, and, and get out so yeah it's it would be lovely if there was a lot more writings about her that you know yeah what she went on yeah and things you know, but um yeah exactly i think it's very difficult because the bible you know the source itself doesn't say that much about her and i think like um the first statement goes it says people always say where did Cain get his first wife? And I have to say, even for me, reading this, I'm like, I need to look at this again. Because I always assumed, right, that when Cain murdered his brother, he left immediately. Mm. So I always felt like he left the presence of where his family was. And then he went off somewhere. And then I was like, okay, so where did the wife come from? Sort of thing. But it doesn't seem like because Seth was born after, right? So he, he may have hung around a little bit if, you know, if you want to look at the story. So 
I think that that's it's a it's introduced a different line of thinking for me. Well, to it this. says well, it says here that uh, from this text we conclude that Cain was already married when he killed his yeah. brother. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. exactly. So yeah. they've kind of arrived at that conclusion. But I always felt like he went to North and then maybe he met somebody. So I think for me, one it's kind of challenged my own, I guess, conclusions that I drew. But I think what's really important for me, the text, when I look at it, is this this notion of, you know, sometimes we suffer as a result of people's actions. And I really love that um, in conclusion, they say that how you react is really, um, how you react is where your power is, if you like. Because sometimes, like you said, if, say, Cain's wife decided to be resentful and, you know, Cain did not sound like an easy man to be married to because one, he didn't seem to even want to really take full accountability of killing his brother, right? So if he was married to him, this is what I'm thinking. <laughs> if it was me, I would have been tempted to allow him to go because somebody who can kill his brother, right? And has such a sense of entitlement was probably not the easiest person to be married to. Oh. So, um, yeah, it would have taken a lot for her to, to go with him. But I think I love what they say about Paul and how Paul suffered really unjustly. And, you know, Paul was very eloquent and expressive about the things that he was going through. But he never allowed those things. It was almost as if his writings helped him to purge out any feelings that he would have had. But you see that somehow Paul never allowed himself to be distracted from the work of God. And the writers here are very correct. I wish we'd known more about King's wife and how did these um, things affected her. But I guess the comparison with Paul tells us here that we don't have to allow ourselves to be victims of our because you you're very justified, right, to be angry because um, somebody, maybe a husband made a decision that was bad and the whole family suffered. Or, you know, some of us, we've had to deal with the decisions of our parents, right? There are many people today who part of their issues as they're growing up is that maybe they had parents who were not the most responsible. But the question is, what is your response to that? Do you now live in hatred and resentment and you know blame everything on your father or your mother? Or do you acknowledge that, yes, what they did to me was wrong, but it's going to stop here. I'm going to make better decisions for the next generation because I feel like that's what Paul did. Paul showed us that there's an alternative. So um, can you think of a time, I mean, as a pastor, you um, counsel people. Is there a time when you've had to like counsel people who deal with issues from the past, particularly things to do with, you know, like handling issues that were not their fault? How did you walk them through that process? Because I think sometimes we can just see these things, but what's the practical way of somebody handling an issue that they feel... They're actually resentful because they feel like this is not even my fault. Why am I dealing with this? Well, there's two ways that I deal with it. That if they're part of the congregation, part of the ministry, mm. and they know that I'm a straight talking, call a spade a spade type of woman, I don't hold mm. any punches. I, you know, I'm 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 nice with them, I'm gentle with them but I'm also firm with them that you've got to get over this. You've got to uh, 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 pray about it. You've got to give it all up to God. You've got to forgive the people to move on. Because they don't, to be, we, we, we all know that 
if somebody's sitting in work, well, not worry, but somebody sitting in uh, hatred and unforgiveness, mm. uh, it's only themselves that's suffering because the person exactly. that they're angry against doesn't know what's happening and they're away of yeah. living their lives merrily. So you're only and sometimes they don't yourself. care. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sometimes they, know they don't care. Yeah, most of the yeah. time they don't care. And if it's exactly. somebody I don't know that isn't part of the ministry, part of the congregation, then I treat it totally different. I listen with them. I I I I listen more than I talk. And I take on board everything they say. And I try to help them through examples of, without giving names away, but I try to help them through examples, putting them into stories of people I know of what this happened to and that happened to. And even I'll share a lot of times what's happened to me in my life, because, you know, I have a very colourful uh, past before I came to Christ. And yes. I've been around a lot of co corners and a lot of things uh, uh, uh I've been hurt a lot of times. You, I love the the lines of the old country western song. You, please don't blame me. Life turned me that way. Mm. It, it, it really. So, so there's different ways to treat different people. But everybody in the ministry knows that I'm a, of a shout. It's it's for their own good. <laughs> yes, and I think it, it's it's really important because I think sometimes when you are hurt, you almost forget that you have power. And I really think I keep I felt I feel really drawn to go back to Paul's responses to things. And I I love that Paul wrote so eloquently. And Paul was one of those people who shows us how we should be with God. He was very transparent about his issues. And when we look at Paul, Paul was like a great apostle, right? I think sometimes people call him the 13th apostle. But when you look at Paul, Paul really did not have like the heirs, he didn't have heirs to him at all. But this guy was, he was a stunning intellectual. You know, you read the way he writes, he received these amazing revelations from God. He was able to really articulate the heart of God to people in many ways. But I think today, maybe we almost miss what an apostle means. Yeah. You know, I think today, because we have certain church culture, a, a church culture, which unfortunately, has focused a little bit too much on titles. Yes. So it's almost like some apostles today will probably not be as vulnerable as Paul. Mm. And I think Paul really makes me understand what an apostle is because I think the translation from Greek is the sent one. Mm -hmm. Paul really was a messenger. Yes. He wasn't playing around. He was very, very transparent about his sufferings. He would say how, oh, I've been beaten. I've been this, I've been that. You know, at, today, some people wouldn't want to admit that, right? But he showed that, look, when you're working for God, this is not easy. But, you know, in all that, he did his best not to hold resentment against people. And that is real power. It you is. know, yes, I think sometimes maybe the issue with us humans today is that we have things kind of upside down. Our definition of power isn't right because we feel like power is this ability to control people or whatever. But I think there is there is a lot of power in being able to restrain yourself from certain things, especially if you know that, look, I could really, you know, avenge this thing that you've done to me. Kind of like when David stood over Saul and he was like, look, I could have killed you. you know, I had the need to kill you. I had, I had the power, I had the might. I actually cut off part of your cloak to show yeah. you. But I fear God so much to do this, you know. So I, I really think it's important. And you, I was thinking of a point here that um, the person made about genetic mutation, right? And of 
um, before we started, he and I were talking about, you know, European royal families tend to have this where because they marry a lot amongst themselves, you know, um, they have seen that they talk about how when you have a copy of a copy of a copy, right, the quality diminishes. And it made me think about the word of God. That is the original, oh, the God. very, very original, right? How important is it G, for us as Christians to go straight to the word? Because as I was reading what this woman was saying about, her, I don't know, I keep assuming it's a woman. This person was talking about her, the, the Charles, the ballerina um, video. I thought of, have you ever done that thing where people do Chinese whispers? <laughs> but you start something with one person, by the time you get to the 15th person, it's almost a different story. Yeah, and it's the same thing with the gospel, right? It is. Lately, you hear all kinds of crazy doctrines. And even in Paul's time, Paul was warning people against false teachers. Mm -hmm. How important is it today, Giselle, in this age of the internet, um, your YouTube, Facebook, anybody can be a preacher. How important is it for us to go back to the original, the word well, of God? We're told in the scriptures to test the spirits. And test and test and test we must do. Because a lot of these preachers all over the place today are charlatans. They're the prayer hanky brigade. They're all that nonsense. Um, you see, guys, <laughs> the holy handkerchief came off. It did. Here, you send me. And what we mean by you, those of you that don't know what we're talking about, Here's a little tissue, okay? And, and, and the prayer cloth, the Holy Hanky Brigade is, they will fold it up and they'll anoint it. We'll pray over it. And you send us $20 and we'll send you this and all your problems will be over. Exactly. Nonsense. Nonsense. Exactly. And if you knew the scriptures, you'd be able to say, hold on. Yeah. Where is that in the scriptures? Where is the, <laughs> the scriptural precedent for that, right? Yes. Yeah. And people would try and say, oh, yes, people prayed over Peter's shadow, healed people, and all this stuff. But the thing is, if if people don't are not glorifying God, because I think the easiest way to catch out a lot of these people is that usually whatever they are claiming to do never really glorifies Jesus. Mm -hmm. Either, even if they are calling the name of Jesus, when you study the scriptures, you will see a divergence. Or a lot of them will just ascribe whatever miracle happens to yes. them. So they don't really glorify Jesus. And I think it brings me to the point of how important it is to know the Holy Spirit. Because... So that's it, exactly. Because yes. when you know, you yes. know, you know, you know. Yes, like... and that's why testing the Spirit, as you said, Giselle, matters. Because... You know, we had a sermon in our church last Sunday about the Holy Spirit. It was so beautiful. And the pastor was saying that, you know, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes, as Jesus said. The Holy Spirit doesn't even testify of himself. He testifies of Jesus. So if some preacher is standing there saying something that is contrary to what Jesus would do, it doesn't matter how eloquent he is, because some of these guys sound very eloquent. You know, okay. and you know, just because we tell a lie in a very eloquent way, it doesn't mean doesn't stop it from being a lie. So it doesn't matter whether he, I don't know, he does a Michael Jackson dance, or whatever, and you know, comes out with this cloth and says X, Y, and Z. If you are looking at that thing and it is not testifying of Jesus Christ, you're not dealing with the Holy Spirit there. Okay. So yeah. 
exactly. And, and, you know, and what, I'm watching videos on YouTube, watching sermons on YouTube. That's fine. But, mm. and, and it's like even going to a church uh, yes. uh, in person for a service. You've got to, as you say, be in tune with the Holy Spirit. You've got to know whether this is the true teaching or a false teaching. Yes, yes, absolutely. It, there. it doesn't matter if it's in person or on the Internet. There are a lot of false preachers out there. So many, uh, so many. Yeah, they really what, are. And you, they're telling the nonsense that there's more ways to heaven than through Christ. That yeah. is just lie number one. You need to literally be a Berean Christian. In this day and age, don't be afraid because any pastor who is genuine and is really for God's people would actually love it if you come to him or her with questions. Yeah. And if you say, Pastor, I don't understand this. Let's go over it again. Any pastor that feels agitated when you, you know, have questions for them or even politely challenge them, you should begin to wonder. For some people, it's just a pride issue. But for others, it's because they are, worried that they'll get found out so if you are in that sort of environment then you really need to speak to the lord and prayerfully you know ask what you should do because sometimes it may mean that you get out of that place because a church where you cannot question you can have you know constructive discussions with people you're literally in a cult yes because even then they'll begin to start telling you how to think and that is very dangerous and even sometimes when they use scripture they would twist the scripture right we've seen that even with something like a submission doctrine, my goodness, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. people have said all sorts, or you have churches where they say women shouldn't wear trousers, and then they'll go and bring um, a quote from the Old Testament. So it is really important for us to, and this is why I think really good Bible study is important. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody once said to me, we shouldn't just read our Bibles, we should study. We should actually look at, you know, the context in which these things were written. We should look at the language, there's a very good app that um, I was introduced to called eSort. Because when you go on eSort, it explains the language, the meaning behind certain things, either in the Greek or in the Aramaic or um, in the Hebrew. Because the thing with language, Hebrew actually is a very rich language. I love it. Because there's English has a way of oversummarizing things sometimes. Yeah. But you really see a much more expansive meaning when you look at Hebrew or even how... The, the Greek um, mind interprets things. So we don't all have to be like huge intellectuals for these things to happen, but it's just practice as we get into it. So I really encourage people. I think at some point here, G, we were talking about running the Alpha course, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. So I think it would be good. It would be nice if many people came to that. But there are so many books out there that teach you how to study the Bible. And, you know, the more I think about it, the more I think it's really important that you, because sometimes you may be the change agent in your church. You know, pastors are amazing, but they don't know everything. No, and exactly. if you had a really good pastor, they'll be like, oh, thank you. You've enlightened me about this. So I'm really, really pleased that Giselle said, you said what you said, Giselle. Test. Test every spirit. And I want to also bring, come into prophecy about this. Okay? As somebody who is gifted with, with um, prophecy, Giselle, how should any Christian react to prophecy? What's the best way to deal with it? Because as we said, there are people walking in divination who are prophesying in churches today, right? And for those of you who don't know, divination is literally like a branch of witchcraft. Anything that is outside, the, it's unlawful prophecy because people don't prophesy 
by the spirit of God, the prophesied through familiar spirits. Those spirits have followed you all your life. They know you. That's why they are so accurate. Yes. Exactly. You know, that is why they are so because you're thinking, oh my goodness, how did she know my name? How did you yeah. know I was where I was born? I mean, oh. someone made me laugh. So people can even tell you the color of your bra. Like, oh, what does it say about the color of your bra? You know, <laughs> tell you that. And you see, and that's it too. When people go to seances to hear from their dead relatives, that's it. Yes. It's, div it's divination. You know, the, yeah. the, the demonic spirits know everything about you. They can tell you all about your granny Margaret and your aunt Sadie and all the rest of it. And people yes. think that, and people think this is their dead loved ones coming. And it's it's not no, it's demonic it's spirit. Not. And you other yes. people say, Oh, but I saw my mother, my mother appeared to me. No, your mother didn't appear to you. That was not your mommy spirit disguised as your mother. Um, yes. But yeah, you you you've got to be so careful. Now I have gone and still do go to a lot of different services and meetings and things like that. And I, I, I know a wide circle of people and if I'm at a meeting or something and someone has got a word for me from God, the they're Lord. prophesying over, yes. over, over me. God uh, told me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's it. Even if I know the person, as they're giving me the word, I don't speak louder than them, but I do speak out loud that, Lord, if this is from you, it will stay with me. But if it's not of you, everything that's said will fall from me null and void. Okay, because you don't know what they're saying over you. And I will not let anyone pray over me in tongues because I don't know what they're saying. Yeah. And you know, to me, tongues, you shouldn't be really praying over people in tongues. Tongues is your personal, well, when I say tongues, I mean your prayer language is your yes. personal language with God. and um. You know, if somebody's talking or praying over you in a gobbledygook language, they could be cursing you. So never say, yeah, absolutely. Never say amen and at the end of something you don't understand. It's important to say that because, you know, there are also demonic tongues. People need yeah. to know that there yeah. are also demonic tongues. And I feel like one day I think we need to have a podcast about tongues because I feel like the church needs to really... Um, how can I put it? Need to understand responsible use of tongues because, like you said, I think even Paul said, "Look, it's more profitable to prophesy, right, and to pray in tongues when people don't understand." Because you're right, that person could be genuinely praying by the Holy Spirit, but otherwise they could be praying whatever, right, and you don't know. So yes, things like prophecy because I think sometimes we have to be careful about our state of mind as well because if you are kind of feeling vulnerable. And then this person is saying something that you like, you are more easily, you know, you're more open to receiving it. And it could still be something that isn't good for you. Exactly. So like you were saying, no matter how desperate you are for that prophecy, you need to say to God, if this is of you, yes, I accept it. But if it's not, I completely reject it. And I remember um, somebody I know in Cameron who is a prophet himself. He said, and this is the, one of the first people who actually made me really think about this. He said, it doesn't matter how nice a prophecy is. You need to go and sit down with God and say, did you really say this? <laughs> you know, and exactly. say, okay, fine. If you did it, I am down with it. And not just that. If God said it, then he will provide you with a way to, to, to come for that prophecy to pass, right? Because exactly. I don't know, if God says to you, oh, you're going to have 
uh, a five-bedroom mansion. Let's just use something very material. <laughs> uh, you're looking there, you're broke, you have no job, right? You need to say to God, man, am I going to move from broke to five-bedroom mansion? Like, you need to help me here. And then that's when you start getting ideas. Okay, practically speaking, I need a job. <laughs> well, it, well, it's like, that's just brought something back to my memory. It's like back in 20, the back end of 2012, I was at the church I was attending then because um, I was still going through Bible college at the time and yeah. uh, church I was attending at the time. There was a group of people over from Canada and all the rest of it. And you know, this big prayer team and everything. And they prophesied over me and they said, you are going to take the gospel to the nations. And I said, yep, yeah, OK. And uh, the, some some nations were mentioned, Canada, America. And, and I would just come back from America after living there for 10 years. But um, uh, the next day, the next was was a Sunday, walked into church in the morning and the pastor sort of um, jokingly said to me, well, Jay, are you all packed, ready to go to Canada? I said, no, I shall wait until God confirms that I won't go running off on man's word. And yeah. my pastor sort of stood back a bit and he said, he said, that's really very wise. I'm glad you I'm glad you think like that. No, I've often thought about that. But I never, ever, ever ran off to all these countries to take the gospel to them. Yeah. No, but if fast, it's God, God fast, has a will. It's a, that's it. Exactly. But fast forward to the lockdown when mm. every ministry took their ministry online. I take the gospel to Uganda, Pakistan and India from the comfort Amazing. of my own home. I teach Bible studies in these places. Wow. Uh, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a weekly basis. Actually, I didn't even know you taught Bible studies abroad. So you see, that's taking the gospel to the nations. Exactly. And you're right. It's mm -hmm. very important for, for you know, to, to let God steer you into these things. Because after anything else, prophecy is in, how can I say, prophets are not perfect, right? Sometimes even they hear God, but they may not be super accurate. So, um, I think it's one of those things that the more you study your word and you develop your relationship with God, you will be able to discern prophecy. And I think the Bible says we know in part to prophesy in part. So there'll be things that if somebody even gives you, you're like, okay, God, what's the other part? How do I handle this? But I think the most important thing I've learned is that you as a person should learn to stay with God, you know. And, you know, the biggest prophet over your own life is you. That's the truth. And the surest word of prophecy is the word of God. You know, if you pick the uh, something that you're going through and let's say you're going through a time when you're, 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 you don't have peace, right? And I think it's in Isaiah where he says, those who keep their eyes stayed on him will have peace. That's a huge prophecy. Oh, big time. You don't need a prophet to come and say that over you. You repeat those words. You go into, and God will even build pictures of what, having peace looks like and you begin to navigate that and i feel like if we did this with ourselves more it will be easier to discern exactly right yes exactly. It will be then you would know the word of god then you would be able to really test every spirit because i tell you when you are hearing the spirit of god it's i don't even have the words for the holy spirit it's the most beautiful thing oh big time you'll find yourself doing things that you never thought you could do yeah you you find yourself very, and I think this probably happens in, because the devil tries to mimic everything. 
one of the things that I love about the Holy Spirit is the sense of freedom that you have when you're in the presence of the Holy Spirit. You can become very uninhibited, right? Where people who know you will be like, yeah, what's going on? But I think on the dark side, you just become crazy. <laughs> it's too much. Yeah. But the Holy Spirit, even when you can act a little like, what's this? There is still boundaries. But on the dark side, People become possessed. It's madness, you know. But I think it's it is really good for us to talk about it and always remember that the word of God is the original. We need to in this day and age. It's really important for us to get really acquainted with the word of God. And I think it just brings me to another thing. When I was reading about Cain, and I've never really thought of this. When they explain it here, when Cain was banished, it says Cain was removed from the presence of God. I mean, I, when I read this, I felt sad, you know. I just thought, what must it be like to be removed from the presence of God, right? And even then, the interesting thing is God is still very merciful. Even though God was like, okay, you have to face this punishment. God still put his mark on King, right? So that nobody will harm King. And that is just a testament to, I mean, what do you think of that, first of all? That's powerful. It, it, it really is powerful. But it shows you that God, the Holy Spirit, because we know that God is God's Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. But God cannot live where there's sin. God, the Holy Spirit, will not live in a dirty house. And we are the house, our bodies, that we that our spirit and soul live in. This is a house. This is this is our temple. Um, and the Holy Spirit will not reside in a dirty house. Wow. Uh, so uh, to me, that just shows you, that just proves that, that definitely God won't reside yes. where there's sin. He can't reside where there's sin. Because, he can't, he can't stand it. You know, he, 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 re he really can't. Um, but yeah, you know, I know people as well that treat prophecies like a, you would go to a fortune teller or read your horoscopes. They go oh every week to the same meetings, to the same things. Oh, no, that's dangerous. Yeah, that's literally they idolatry. Up. They keep getting up, so they do to have prayer over them. Now, I must admit, I'm I'm going to sit. You all know me for now. I love putting my head in the chopping block. But I blame the people in the prayer team because I would say to them, no, there's no word for you tonight. And if yeah. there's no word for you tonight, there's no word for you tonight. You should say that. You, should, you know, there are times when I know people who are prophetic and they'll be like, I haven't heard anything. <laughs> I know. And but it's okay. Don't but then you see, Michael and I, you know Michael and I when he got married in 2013. And this is before yeah. we got married. And uh, we were at a monthly prayer meeting, a monthly service thing back in Northern Ireland. And uh, the first night we went, well, the first month we went to it together. Uh, Michael goes up all chucked and all to be prayed over and the uh, prophet prayed over the two of us and gave the two of us a brilliant word, really fantastic word and uh, which has, has come to pass and the next month we were at it again, I says to Michael uh, do you want to go up for prayer tonight again? He said nah we got prayed over last month, I said yeah you're right, so we just sat there and the first time ever that prophet left the, the the front of the the hall found us where we were sitting and came down and gave another word over us so that sort of proved to me a wee bit that you should maybe always go forward for prayer but 
never expect it to always get a word because God might say it doesn't always happen. And I think sometimes, yeah, God is deliberately silent sometimes because he wants you to press in. You know, but I think you're so right, because I think in this age where sometimes, especially in charismatic settings, there is that, you know, that tendency for the spectacular. I think sometimes Mm -hmm. it can be very low drama, you know, sometimes it's in the stillness and the silence. And God will just say something. And I I get this sometimes where God will just say something when I least expect it, right? And sometimes we have to understand that God talks to people in different ways. To me, sometimes when the Holy Spirit speaks to me, it's literally humorous. I mean, I remember a few weeks ago, I was thinking about something and the Holy Spirit literally corrected me about something that I did. And I spoke to her, I was speaking to a friend, I was like, ah, you're too mouthy sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> she said that, I was like, whoa, sometimes, man. <laughs> you know, but this is it. And I think the real secret from what you're saying here is to cultivate a relationship with God. And okay. there are times when, like you said, you wouldn't even be expecting it and he would send somebody. Yes, there exactly. are times when God has literally sent somebody to me mm-hmm. and the person doesn't even know what they are doing no you know they think they're just doing something nice they think oh i just had this thought i'm like you have no idea you were sent so i exactly. think it's important for us to learn to flow very easily with god yes. and like you said is one of the ways to to do that is to of course we are human right we will sin but we are very fortunate i mean jesus was not there at the time of cain right so we have the blood today. We can claim the blood of Jesus. We can, because I think it's very important for us. Again, one of the most original things we must return to is the blood of Jesus. We must begin to understand its cleansing power and how it washes away our sins. So when we realize that we've sinned, instead of sitting in this place of condemnation, we must say to God, we are very sorry. You know, We must claim the blood of Jesus and say, look, Jesus has you know, taken away my sins. This blood is forever valid. Lord, I want to claim the benefits of it. And then you really show God with your character that you want to change and ask for his help because sometimes it's not easy. You, In fact, if it was easy, would we ever need God's help? But it's really important. And I think maybe that's where Cain missed it a little bit because I feel like, what if he just repented? Cain never apologized. Repent, repent, repent. And there's a saying, and I love it, you Repentance is about change, not the tears. Because yes. you, get, you get too many people committing the same sin over and, and over all the and time. over again and crying all the time all over it. And my darling husband has brilliant saying, you know, the next level of stupidity is people making the same mistake over and over and over again, but expecting a different result. No, that's absolutely true. That is absolutely true. And you think if Cain had just repented, God in his almighty power, if God had the mercy to say to him, I'm going to keep you alive. I'll put the mark on you so no one can touch you. So even though God was upset with him, God still protected him. You know, sometimes I'm literally floored by the mercy of God. Uh, And this is why we should really do our best to be like God, because how can somebody have done such a heinous thing? Because to commit murder is literally, it's not that you're killing God because you've put an end to his image. And of course, he doesn't like that. But for God to say, okay, you're not even sorry. You're just complaining about yourself and your own safety. I'm even going to overlook your foolishness, Cain, and I will still put a mark over you, right? That was God literally, I think, saying to Cain, I've given you a second chance. 
And we don't know whether King, I mean, when you look at how his, his son turned out, you wonder how much he changed. But I also think that one of the, the things with God, as we were speaking about communicating with God, sometimes God doesn't say things to you very obviously. Yeah. It's important to look at God's actions and his patterns. Because I really feel like by putting his mark on Cain, he was saying, you have a second chance. Mm -hmm. Whether he fully took it or not, we don't know. That's but it. We see here that sadly, a woman who, to all intents and purposes, was potentially innocent in all of this, mm -hmm. ended up suffering. Right? Suffering big time, yeah. Yes, so, suffering, being taken away from God's presence, missing at, with both her family, everything. Imagine her giving birth without the help of her mother, as was the tradition in those days. Like she suffered tremendously. Yeah. So I think the lesson for me here is really made me think how my actions don't just affect me, but they can affect people around me. And not just people in this lifetime. There are people now who are in the third generation and they're suffering from a mistake that their grandparents made. Yes. So yeah. we must be very careful with the, must the, the decisions that we make. Very, very, My very group. much so. Yes. And I think it's, imp it's, been... it's, it's, it's important too that uh, we know that we're all going to die sometime and because mm -hmm. no, because nobody lives forever, yeah. and I think the important thing is well, two important thing is one we know where we're going to go to, but yes. the important thing is that we leave a legacy here behind us, a good oh, legacy yes. that people yes. remember us because they did X, Y, and Z in a good Absolutely. way, and not a yes. horrible, bad, negative way. Yeah, so I think that's yeah. more. But we've got there, we've lined up now lots and lots and lots more discussion. We're going to talk about uh, uh, the gifts of prophecy and everything and the gifts of. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, maybe God's grace, because there's. Oh, there's, yeah, God's grace will be such a, a beautiful yeah, one to talk about. And even another one. That's a lovely. G, G is the one who keeps a list of all our topics. And even what you said about a legacy, because I think I watched something where it wasn't even. Um, I don't know if the guy was speaking in the church, but he was talking more about just life. And he was saying that whether you like it or not, you will leave a legacy in this world. Yes. You know, it's, you, you then choose the quality of a legacy that you leave. And if you look at King's children, you can almost, or his son, Lamech, you can almost extrapolate from the story that yes. maybe he didn't leave the best legacy for his son, right? Because he kills somebody and then his son goes and does the same thing and is even worse than his father. So maybe, Cain, so knowingly or unknowingly, your actions are literally contributing to your legacy pots, if you like. So, yes, it will be nice to talk about that. But um, for today, guys, they've been added to the list. That's our list, guys. That's how we, and if you think that there are topics that you would like us to talk about, please feel free to reach out to Sidoni, to Giselle, or to myself. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about. Oh, we have. <laughs> so, we, yeah. it's been a great decision discussion today i almost said decision it's been a great decision as well gee would you kindly pray us out i sure well. will my dear thank you for asking me oh yes. lord god almighty our hell should die heavenly father we come to you i mean first of all give you thanks for everything that you have done for us everything you're doing for us and everything that you will be doing for us in the future father god we give you thanks for that in advance Lord God Almighty, I give you thanks for my sister Naomi and Sidoni. We missed her tonight. 
bless her, I think, Lord, if she had been here, she wouldn't have got a word in edgeways. But anyway, that was, that was okay. Father God, we give you also thanks for the internet that we can come together. Naum's in London when Sidoni's with us. She's in Bedfordshire and I'm here in Stranraer. And Lord, we can come together as if we're in each other's living room. This is the internet, Father God, being used for a good use to get your word, to get the true gospel of you out to the nations. Lord, everything that Naum and I have spoken about tonight, and I think the main point of tonight was that forgiveness is really paramount in our health, spiritually and physically. Lord, there are many people out there suffering, hurting themselves through unforgiveness, hatred, contempt, bitterness. And Lord, I know that you have been trying for ages to speak to them and they're ignoring you. So, Lord God Almighty, I am asking you by the power of your Holy Spirit that you bring people across their paths that will help guide them, that they can forgive the people that have caused them wrong. Living in hatred is not good for anyone. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for what you did for us in the cross. We thank you for your blood. And as Sister Nahum said earlier, the blood of Jesus washes us clean, whiter than snow. Father God, till next week, when we all come back together again and we have another talk, I wish us all well and I wish your blessings on everyone. And in the mighty name of Jesus, we say amen. Amen. Thank you, G, and thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We look forward to seeing you next week by the grace of God. And we'll have Sidoni back, hopefully, by the grace of God. Have a lovely evening, everyone. Bye. Goodbye, everyone.